everybody, and welcome to another episode of Panels and Bars. You're joined by your usual hosts, myself, BB Manic, and Patrick Allen. And this week, we're covering Mission Impossible. But first, the news. It's not new, but since the last time Patrick and I have spoken, Marvel has unveiled finally the new trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. This one features not what everyone was hoping, the confirmation of the addition of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, but we do get to see the Lizard, Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus. There's flashes of what looks like Dr. Octopus integrating the nanosuit technology into his arms, and we do get to hear Willem Dafoe's voice, so... I don't know about everyone else, but the hair stood up on the back of my neck and I am fully on board for this film. Patrick, what did you think? I thought that, I mean, I'm fully on board for the film. I love, I love, I love these Spider-Man films. I thought that the trailer was okay, but it was a lot of just like action. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it was a lot of, of like things exploding and octopus arms and stuff. <laughs> I would have appreciated a little bit more. Like I really like the moments with like MJ and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I would have appreciated... My favourite bits of the Tom Holland Spider-Man films are the bits where he's not being Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of wish there'd been a little bit more of that, but there was more of that in the first trailer. And um, obviously we all know that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are going to be in it, so I don't know why they don't just put him in the fucking trailer. I do love the fact um, that Andrew Garfield is just swearing blindly everywhere. I don't know why the people think I'm in this film. I'm definitely not in this film. It's like, you're in this film, mate. It's like... <laughs> You have a six pack. You haven't had a six pack in years. You are clearly like, in this the film. Little pictures of like Charlie Cox as well. Like, yeah, I know, I know clearly. But <laughs> um, I also think that like the shot of MJ falling is exactly the same as the shot of Gwen. Yeah, it's I mean it's like, clearly Andrew Garfield that saves her. Yeah, I think that it'd be Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Well, one so one cool theory I saw as well that ties into that, which I hadn't even thought about, but someone presented recently, is that apparently if you look in the back of that scene. Ned is also clinging to like some scaffolding for dear life. So some people believe that even though it's going to be Andrew's Peter that saves her, Tom Holland does spring out to save her. And Ned is kind of like, wow, your first instinct was to go for MJ and not for me. And so it starts to be begin that wedge between them that leads to Ned eventually becoming Hobgoblin, which is quite an interesting theory. I don't want that. I don't want a bad Ned. I really like... Peter's yeah, so but I mean, in like the in the you... comic, he does become Hobgoblin eventually. So there is precedent for it. In the comic, everybody who's ever loved Peter becomes some sort of villain. <laughs> like, I don't want. I, I don't want that. Like, um, no, I thought it was. A, I felt like there were a couple of shots which had the Marvel, like they looked like they had empty spaces in them. Yeah. Like that, like they'd like they'd removed other spider-man yeah or... i mean i don't know if you've seen the leaked footage from the brazilian trailer where the lizard is clearly being punched by something we can't see and that's like well clearly that massive shot of all the villains fighting uh peter is not just peter it's probably going to be peter and the other two spider-men yeah well then i'm guessing that the line at the end of the trailer the, the they're all coming through from other universes i'm assuming that he's not necessarily going to be talking about just villains yeah he's going to be all like what i'm really hoping for is that it won't just be the three live-action Spider-Mans. Yeah. I'm hoping for somebody else. I, I mean, obviously, I would like 2099, yeah. but I don't know if that's a reference that the majority of the public are going to be interested in. I mean, Tom um, Holland has, think... has been made, I don't know if you've seen recently, he's made quite a fuss about, he's basically been very honest about the fact that my contract's up, 
And if I renegotiate, a big part of my renegotiation is I would like to train Miles Morales in one of these films. So I don't know oh how much God, I, don't I don't know how much sway he has. I mean, I would imagine, even though yeah, he can be replaced. I imagine Marvel would want to negotiate with him and to meet him halfway. Yeah, and really, that's a win-win. If he's saying that's what he wants, great. This is how you keep him on board. And then also, if he's saying I could leave at some point, well, then you're also setting up an insurance policy that if he leaves, great, we've got another Spider-Man. So. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, why wouldn't you agree to this? He's already a proven character that's worked yeah. in games, in cartoons, and had his own movie right, with a sequel coming up next year. So, yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't just play ball with Tom Holland and say, yeah, cool, if you want to train Miles Morales, it works for us as well. So I'd like to see that. I think, obviously, during... I mean, it's, for anyone that follows this, this shouldn't be a spoiler, but Venom is now in the MCU, so I don't know why you wouldn't have him have at least have a cameo in this. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if the reason you wouldn't have a cameo is because paying Tom Hardy and negotiating it with Sony might be a lot of effort for a, for a brief appearance. Maybe, that being the fact like, that Sony pre- agreed to like, him being in the MCU anyway means they would have prepared for this eventuality. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so hopefully that's what will happen. I would like to see... I really like Tom Hardy. Yeah, um, apparently... I don't know how much truth there is in anything we're hearing, but apparently Paul Giamatti is like confirmed he's not in this. Oh, yeah. But I love, but I love his. Role. Me too, and, so... I, and I think he agreed. He enjoyed playing it, but he was like, no. I, he unlike Tom, uh, what's his face? Unlike Garfield, who was saying he wasn't even approached. He's like, I was approached, couldn't really work out anything. But you know, I wish them the best of luck with this. I hope it's a lie, and he turns. Me up. too. Uh, <laughs> Me I hope too. they're all lying. Um, I hope that old lady who played um, what's it called Aunt May, Aunt May. <laughs> in 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 the uh, in the in the Tobey Maguire movie shows up. Well, this I, is I this is another thing in the comics that this is loosely based on. When they do repair everything, Peter's like, "Can I ask one final favor?" And Doctor Strange is like, "Go ahead." And he's like, "Can I see Uncle Ben one last time?" And he has a conversation with Uncle Ben. So mm. a lot of people are like, "Is this going to be in the film?" And if so, do you, who do you get? Do you get? Martin Short or do you uh, Martin Sheen sorry or do you get a new actor who we'd all know but like we've never seen Uncle play Uncle Ben before you know the original rumour for a long time was is it going to be Toby Maguire himself who knows it'll be interesting to see if they include that maybe it might be a cool thing of like you just don't show him maybe you see him from the back but you at least have yeah, that hear his, hear his voice. you have that yeah, voice like... and you have that cathartic moment where they can hug each other and then Peter heads back to the MCU yeah I think that I'm, I mean I, 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 I'm I have absolute faith that it'll be good. Yeah, uh, the first, the first two are the best MCU movies. Uh, I think so. Uh, I even, I really like. I the, really the, like the first is in is in my top five. The second, I don't care for it. I remember enjoying it in the theater. Afterwards, I was like, I never need to see that film again. The first is in my. The second is in my top five. The first one is solid top spot. Really, I, I, I think I think else, yeah. I find the the, the second too tonally inconsistent. It's extremely goofy in places, extremely dark in places. And I know all MCU films are Tony all over the place. But for me, yep. it just kind of, it's, I don't think it knows what it wants to be. Um, I like I like a lot of it. I just think it's, it's, it's rated, it's, it just doesn't own it to some of its parts. So I just like the characters in, in those films more than I like anybody else in the MCU, I think. I, I, like, I, I, like, I, like, I like Tony. Uh, yeah. and I like Steve and stuff but like I feel like their supporting casts are generally a bit bland oh yeah no uh, definitely I, I think I really, yeah whereas I love these versions I agree I think I think in these films you could literally James have 10 minute stretches of these films without Pete in them 
and I would like them. I like the teachers. I like Aunt May. I don't think they give enough yeah. to do, but I like Aunt May. I think the kids are brilliant. Like, if there was a be- if any of these films get a spin-off series, if they just want to do the Midtown High with the kids goofing off, like, even though yeah. I'm not crazy about that character being Flash, I like that actor and I like that character. I just feel like that's he's not... He's really funny. Yeah, yeah, he's not what I really want from Flash, but I also, like, I like how he plays him. And I think, like, yeah, Betty Brandt is great. So, yeah, the kids are great. The teachers are great. Um, oh so God, yeah, Betty's, def- Betty's brilliant. Yeah, so I agree with you She's on that. She's fantastic. She's really funny. Um, um, I'd watch just I'd watch just a whole movie where Peter and MJ and that just went to school. And, yeah, and there was no Spider Man stuff at all. Maybe if Peter had to keep on like going off. Oh, yeah. I've got some stuff to do, guys. See you in a bit, and then and then we just never saw any Spider Man. I totally watched that. I love it. So this week, Patrick and I will be talking about Mission Impossible. It's quite possibly the best action movie franchise of all time. Yes, you heard me correctly. It's got some of the greatest directors of all time responsible for some of the best films. Every installment, Tom Cruise unsuccessfully attempts to kill himself and he will keep doing so until he dies in one of these films and they include that scene in the film. So until that happens, we are going to talk about the first three this week and in a future episode we will talk about the rest of the trilogy, thoughts and hopes for the new one. Recently, actually, as we were recording this, footage emerged of Tom Cruise jumping off one of London's tallest buildings because he he hasn't killed himself yet, so why wouldn't he? Um, So yeah, so let's start at number one, late 90s, Brian De Palma. I had forgotten a lot about this film, but it's fantastic it is it's yeah, so it much is better really... than i remember it being yeah the I, I mean the only criticisms i could even vaguely level at it are it sags a bit around the middle yeah i think that in a really good spy film you can figure it out before the characters yeah but we are so with ethan in his quest to figure out what the fuck is going on where he doesn't know who anybody is and what's happening that we have no more information than he does. No. And so there's no, like, like, no, but you know what I quite like about it is that I had forgotten that none of the other films are, fra- are uh, kind of centered like this. You don't know who to trust. And I think even yeah. going back and, uh, and, and knowing, you know, who he is and who he becomes and blah, blah, you do. Uh, one thing that did kind of come back to me is there's a great portion of it where after the betrayals happened, you're still kind of like, but did he do it? And I think that's done yeah. really well. He 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 is. the pace and the direction and even Tom Cruise's performance is like I know he wants everyone he meets to believe that he was framed, but was he framed? And it's a shame yeah. that after that conceit is revealed, you can't really build a franchise around that. But it would be nice to have another installment where yeah, even if we're in the driver's seat with Ethan, we don't trust everyone. But ever since, it's kind of been like can I trust Jeremy Renner? Yeah, you can. Five minutes in, we know he's going to be on his side. Like, even if he's a yeah. scout and he's, you know, he's a mama's boy and he's reporting to, to Langley, we know that he's going to be convinced by Ethan and he'll join. So every new person's kind of like, oh, where do we stand with them? It's going to be fine. They'll break the rules and help Ethan. And it would be nice to have another installment where you kind of don't know where you stand with everyone and you don't see the twists coming. Like, there are so many twists in that first one. And they're fantastic. Yes. To get that many great, yeah. renowned character actors... And give them, like, what's great about that opening sequence is it's really snappy and you get a feel for who everyone is, the history they have together, and how efficiently how efficiently they do this job. So when the betrayal comes, it is really shocking. Because it's like, what? Yeah. D- d- this isn't the team? What the hell? Yeah, and oh, I, the, yeah, and I think that the only, again, the only other, the only, one of the other things that I watched, think, or thought watching was that I would like, I would really like more Mission Impossible stuff where they just go on a mission and things go 
okay. Yeah. Not necessarily like, oh, it's all smooth sailing, everything's fine. But like, I really, what I really wanted, because I know that now a two and a half, three hour film is kind of normal, but obviously in 1996 it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but I really would have liked to have watched a, another mission beforehand, maybe a cold open James Bond style, where we saw that team accomplishing a mission, finishing yeah. something. Because the the scenes where they sit around and chat to each other do a really good job of establishing them as friends and co-workers and efficient at what they're doing. Yeah. But you still, I feel like I still didn't get enough time with those people to really be like, I really wanted to see more of them before they were all abruptly, brutally murdered. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, um, And there's also, I do feel like it kind of lacks an antagonist figure for most of the film. Yeah. Like most of the time, it's just kind of Tom Cruise against his own fear. Like it's a lot <laughs> of the time, the only kind of thing that, that he's working against is is how scared he is and sway he is. Yeah. Um, and I would like, like when John Boyd comes back at the end, again, like it feels a bit like maybe we've not had quite enough time with him to kind of... Be shocked um, by that reveal. To kind of... Well, more like I want to feel if we had more time at the start with him where he was where he was our friend. Yeah. Then, yeah, the, t- the twist would hit hard. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, I, I think, though, even knowing the twist, going back, I think one thing they do really well is he sells that concern really well when he's yeah. like, Ethan, back, back out of there, back out of there. And it's very smart because actually, if it was a real world situation, knowing the type of person he is, you would know that's only going to spur him on to keep on with the mission and his arrogance is going to make him yeah. think complete it. And it sells that story of you being this concerned team leader when in fact, yeah, you were behind yeah. the whole thing. So I, I think I, there's little elements that even on a rewatch, you're like, wow, that's, they, they thought of everything. It's really well done. It doesn't, it, there's not very many holes that are revealed when you really you watch it knowing the twists. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I, what I really appreciate, there's a couple of little touches in terms of the way things are framed. I really like that he figures out who the bad guy is. Yes. Before the reveal. So then they're having that conversation where John Boy is being all like, I'm still your friend. Yeah. And we're like, we, I, I, it, was, it was Kittredge. And Ethan's sat there like, I, I fucking know it's him. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? But he's, and that's a really tense, in fairness, it's so tense yeah. all the way through. It is. It is you know like, what I love about the scene with the reveal? That, well, not the reveal, but yeah, like as you said, Ethan's realisation is that he asked the question why. And it's great because it's, there's a double meaning to it. It's like, God, why would you betray us? But then he also tests him at that spot. If it was Critchridge, then why did he do it? And obviously Voigt has yeah. an answer, but it's a very clever, that one word can be interpreted two different ways. The question can be interpreted two different ways. Yeah, and I think there's a real, what I really love as well is that the answer that he gives is like, a, oh, this is why Kittredge did it. Yeah. But it's also why he did it. It's yes. a really kind of like, he is he is revealing his personal motivations by coming up. Yeah, and I really, really liked that. I think that, what, I think the pacing of it is fantastic, yeah. actually. Like, I, it does, it, I think there's in the middle, there is, when he's like getting really tired and emailing people, <laughs> there is a little bit where it kind of slows down a bit too much, yeah. I think. Um, but then that does kind of, that does give you a good pace where it's like, all action at the start, then there's a bit of a lull, then it's like the last like fifty minutes is like just the Langley heist. Yeah. And then the and then the Channel Tunnel bit. I'll tell you and something like, I really like all as well. Of that is... I was just say, so when he sits down in the restaurant and he immediately knows this is a setup, he recognizes the bar staff from the previous mission. Yeah. In other films, they would have filmed those two different ways. So when you would see the flashback to him talking about the first time he he recognised the personnel, 
his flashback would be filmed differently from what it actually was filmed like. What I love about this is when you see the flashback, it is those exact same scenes. So it's basically, it was there for us to see that people's body language is off, that people were staring at the players in the mission. They've not done anything manipulative. If you'd have been paying attention, you'd realize something is off about the people around him. People are keeping an eye on him a bit too much. You know, for as smooth as this mission's supposed to be going, there are people that seem out of place and that are far too aware of their surroundings. So it's not, it doesn't feel like it's earned when he sits in and he recognizes everyone immediately. It's like they really set up every element of this. Absolutely. And and in fairness, like that, the whole opening sequence is fantastic. It really it's is. so brutal and it's so quick. It all goes south so quickly. And he really sells how overwhelmed he is by it. Yeah. Um, it's uh, uh, the only thing on a rewatch. I was a bit like, why are there spikes at the top? Of I the was ship? wondering that. I mean, the thing is, I don't know enough about engineering to question it, but it feels like yeah. immediately that's not something you would have. <laughs> yeah, like I've never been in the list. Also, earlier on, um, Emilio Estevez hides down the side of the lift. Yeah, and then and then and then he's just sat on top of the lift, and the lift's going up, and I'm all like, climb down the side. Yeah, just do what like, you did before. Yeah, why are you just? And then those spikes open up and just jab at Yeah, I just but don't... Like, I can't what, think of any that? practical reason why you would have those. I would understand having springs or something like that, but it yeah. seems just insane that we're going to have these killer spikes that can be flipped with a switch. Yeah. Um, I really like as well that actually a lot of the gadgets in the first one aren't even particularly... Like, like what they have is the face masks. The gum. <laughs> and then uh, the gum. The gum is fucking insane. <laughs> but I like, you know, like, I like that. Um, but then... All they really have other than that is small cameras. Yeah. And like, and like small cameras. And massive laptops. <laughs> massive laptops, recording devices that you can fit inside other things and like tracking devices. But it's all very grounded, really. Yeah. Com- especially in comparison to some of the stuff that they have in later films. <laughs> it's all very like, it's all very basic. It's like, it's fancy technology for 1996. Yeah. But it's not like crazy. Sci- it's not James Bond. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's not like crazy sci-fi shit. Um, and I really like, I really appreciate that. Also, it sets up a trend. What I really love is there's moments in a lot of the films where he does just a little something that's really clever on the spur of the moment. When he goes back to the hotel, he breaks a light bulb and he, and he sprinkles the glass all down the hallway. And it's just that like he makes a sound trap that will alert him to people coming in out and he improvises it out of something that's just there. And I really love that it really sells him as like a spy yeah because he doesn't need gadgets he can like make something out of regular household shit that works for that purpose and i really really enjoy that like i really thought that was a really really nice touch i just had this thought whilst talking to you but it's actually funny because one thing i was going to say is yeah you really feel think of him as a spy in this film and i think a big part of that is the paranoia paranoia and i just realized as i was talking to you one thing they do really well with this franchise that I kind of wish the Batman uh, family movies would do is he's super paranoid and super distrusting in the first film. And then as he builds this family of spies, he becomes a lot happier as the installments go on and he trusts people more. And it's like, that's Batman. That should be Batman. But he's always super depressed in all the films. (laughs) Well, I really, I really like in the first one, one of the the things I really like, this choice, like he's not like, Hey rookie, you're a new spy who's only just qualified for spying but he's also not super experienced he's in this kind of middle ground yeah. where he's good at it and he's a useful part of the team but 
he's not like the greatest spy in the yeah. world. Well, what's funny is that he's um, actually quite cocky on the opening mission and he's laughing and joking with everyone. And then when he when yeah. he gets thrown into the belly of the beast, you can see that panic. And like you say, he sweats all the time. And he's, he his, time. his eyes are darting around and he doesn't really know. And like you said, he's he basically survives due to the fact he is really good at improvisation, but he doesn't really have a plan because he's not been thrown into an extreme situation like this, like the others have probably been yeah. because they're more seasoned. Yeah, and I really, I, I like, I really, the Langley heist is absolutely It's fantastic. phenomenal. It is, it's probably the best single, like, contained spy sequence I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, there's a real reason, actually, watching it back, like, so much of it is, like, parodied and memed and copied. And actually, there's a real reason for that because it is so on point really all is. the way through. And it's not that long. It's, it's like, not. It's like but you know, everything so, about it, like, the editing is fantastic. Every single actor, there's, 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 it's funny because there's a very thin line that every single one of those guys has to go. That if they go just over that line, it becomes caricature, it becomes parody. So Jean Reno, yeah. that, him trying to keep that rope tense and whilst also battling his fear of this rat like you go too yeah. far with it that's a comedy scene right uh, tom cruise hanging from this rope which is it looks farcical when you see this far the the wide shots of it right him there like waving his arms like a madman can also just oh be seen God, as yeah. a joke and then the gentleman who they've given the laxative to that's a comedic scene but if you go too far with it it takes you out of the action of it so every single one of those players has to hit that that note just perfectly. Then you add that with the editing, yeah. the direction, the cinematography on that scene is gorgeous. It's just brilliant. Like, it's such good filmmaking. What I also like is that it's so quiet. Yes. Like, the bits when he's in the vault are almost silent. Yeah. And, like, all you've got is the noise of, like, him breathing and stuff. And there's, like, very little music, very little sound at all. It's so... So well shot. Yeah. So I love his face when he's wobbling above the floor. He's like waving his arms around his all. And, and, and he's just like, and it's like, but you really buy it. Like the, the, the drop of sweat that he catches in his hand. Yeah. All of it is so neatly done. Yeah. It is just fantastic. And whilst I think that the final sequence on the train strays a little bit into silly kind of. It's a bit superhero, top, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I still, like a lot of it's like the it's like little things that Mission Impossible sells that are the, like they make peril out of tiny things. Like, yeah. Uh, the, the, just when he gets out onto the top of the train, the speed of it in the wind. Yeah. Is that like, so I've seen, you've seen. I still so look back on that and I'm like, just... how did they film that? It looks phenomenal. Yeah. It still it looks great even now. Yeah. It, it looks but great. Like, there's so many films, so many movies where people stand on top of trains. It's yeah. Just like, yeah well, people stand on trains, don't they? And actually <laughs> that makes the idea of being on top of the train look, fucking petrified. it really does like like and i really love that his like jacket comes off and yeah whips past well there's, there's a great moment when he there. realizes that if he doesn't act now voight is going to jump onto the helicopter and he's never going to get him and so there's a great like split second where you can see him calculating like if i mess this up he gets away and i potentially die so rather than just yeah. jump into it like anyone else in, in any other trilogy or any other franchise he has to really estimate how he's going to throw himself, the trajectory, the angle, and he just about pulls it off. And I think that's what's great about these films. He's yeah. not this action man who's invincible and he can just shoot any bullet anywhere and take out 7,000 guys. He's always just kind of like winging it and luckily making it through the situation. Well, no, what I love is that like, it never looks easy. There's never like, 
he's never he never he's he's always beaten and bruised and dirty and sweaty and burned <laughs> like he never finishes a film like in his suit looking okay like james bond yeah he always finishes a film covered in blood and limping and covered in dust and soot and his, his clothes <laughs> are all burned because it's not like none of the stuff he does is easy no and it doesn't try and make it look easy it makes it look incredibly hard yeah. and like i really like that the first one does have some slightly weird dialogue like like when he jumps onto the helicopter at the end, he gets the exploding gum out. He's just all like, red light, green light. Yeah. Uh, so you know what I love about that is, there's a f- bit like- generally for a film that is as fantastical as it is, I do like that a lot of the action feels grounded in, in the physics of reality. But that's one of those ones where I laugh because I feel like there's a massive train below you. There's helicopter propellers whirring above you. They can't hear a word you're saying. You are just shouting nonsense to two people who don't know what you're saying. <laughs> also, there's no time for this, man. Right. Like, you to yell, just stick the bus stick the, and go. Get out of there. Uh, I love that the explosion throws him back onto the train. Yes, I, I really, really like that. Like the 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 way he's and he's and he just barely grabs onto it. Yeah, and the blades. Oh man, it's just. So- I really like also that the first one doesn't end with like oh, I'm going to retire. Um, he's a bit like oh, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do, and he gets on the plane, and someone's all like Mission Impossible. And he's all like Wow, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> You're twisting you know I mean? my like, arm, um, which I guess it leads establishes us. Establishes some really nice. So I was going to say, go oh, on, go. Just, you finish. You finish. Establishes some really nice. It, it establishes some really lovely franchise stuff. I really like that at the start. They're a team of six when John Voight's in charge. Yeah, and then when Ethan builds his own team, he chooses a team of four, which is then the standard in the series because every other time we see Ethan is the leader of the team. Yeah. I really like the, and I really like what it tells us about him. Like John Voight plays like a playmaker. He's like an overseer kind of character. Whereas Tom Cruise is, Ethan kind of leaves some of that to Luther that who he kind of merges tech and oversight. Yeah. Um, but then he wants to be on the ground making calls rather than in a remote location. And I think that's really true to his character. Yeah. And it really like, it really works for that. Like he generally is like, I need somebody to transport me in and out, someone to do the computers and another person to maybe like distract me. Uh, but outside of that, I'm going to be doing most of this. And that's, and that's who he is. In yeah. comparison to John Voight's like more calculated kind of, I'm behind the computer. Moving all the pieces. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Like, and I really love that kind of, that kind of comparison. And yeah, like there's, obviously we didn't mention the internet stuff in, in is amazing. Place, <laughs> I would um, just guess random email addresses until I hit the person <laughs> that I need to contact. In fairness, though, it is Usenet 1996, and it, t- it takes him hours. Maybe he emails all yeah. 800 Usenet. <laughs> this, this, it just reminds me of this great Family Guy sketch where Stewie needs to call for help, but has obviously never used a phone. So he just dials 0000. zero, 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 zero. No reply. Zero 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 one zero zero. Like he just keeps going until he's formed a phone number and finally hit someone. Yeah, and I feel like that, but like it's I under it's like it's nineteen ninety six, so people don't know how the internet works. Exactly, yeah. So it can be whatever you I need it to be for a you film. Can kind of Yeah, like it really can. And they don't know that the internet's gonna become the email's gonna become the most common. Commonplace thing, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> Yeah, like so but it is mad watching it back and like <laughs> Yeah, like there's just little bits like that. There's like John Voight just also like John Voight's supposed like sixty five and he just beats the shit out he of me. Really he really does. He really does. When I watched it back, I was like, 
that there's just this moment where like like he is Ethan is not super spy in this no. at all. No. Even compared to the later films, he is just like like he just gets beaten up by an old man. <laughs> like just he just like elbows him in the back and Ethan's like Also there's ah. one point where um and I'm surprised it never comes up again. But when the setup happens and Ethan sees his teammate be stabbed, he grabs the knife and it's like, don't do that. Why would you don't do that? Yeah. <laughs> You're asking why to be set you, up. Why would you do, do that? Do not put your hands on the yeah. handle of a murder weapon. But I think that also the thing is that IMF does establish that they, if, if anything happens, they're all like, in the mission briefing, it's always like, if anything happens, you'll get disavowed. Yeah. And so I know that people are always like, God, Ethan gets disavowed all the time. <laughs> But the thing is that, like, it's in the contract. If the mission goes wrong, that's that's their first move. Yeah, and it wouldn't be a very interesting movie if the mission just went completely right with their problems. Yeah. So I do see that kind of like you know he does go rogue a little too frequently yeah. over the course of the series. But I yeah I like. But I think I, like, I think what's funny uh, is that like yeah. you can it's as we've spoken about it before the bonds the new bonds the, the Craig bonds have all nicked a bit from or the other franchises that are beating them at their own game. And Mission Impossible is one of the things they've nicked from. Bond gets disavowed or goes rogue in every single installment. And that's nothing. That's not something yeah. he really did pre-Craig or even... I mean, I think Brosnan's maybe done it once. So clearly, it, that influence is there because, as you said, it's, yeah. it's fun seeing someone who's great at that job. But actually, I think directors and writers realise it's actually it's a lot more fun seeing someone who just barely survives at that job because someone who just barely survives yeah. is a lot more tense and you do find like that first honestly I, I I had forgotten how tense it was and how you just don't know what's coming around the corner but yeah let's talk yeah. about and I don't want to talk about it for long because I realised I really dislike Mission Impossible 2 oh well I, well, I hard disagree really I fucking love it's Mission such Impossible a 2 bad yeah film. it is I, I I just okay. So what I would say is, Mission Impossible Two is stupid. It is it's unbelievably stupid. stupid on a level on a level beyond anything else that I've probably ever seen. I spent the last the second half of Mission Impossible Two smiling all the time. <laughs> like it is just so crazy, and I can't quite I can't quite handle. How like one thing I noticed watching the second one back is that it's real slow. Like there's yeah. no opening action scene. Like there's nothing really going on. It's got another moment, like him shouting at the people in the helicopter, where he's like driving alongside her and they're both in open top sports cars. And he's being all like, Hey, do you want to come work for me? It's like she can't fucking hear you. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, um Yeah, but like, and it does have it's very sexist. Yeah. I, like I didn't remember that. And like like Anthony Hopkins is just all like women, they're the fucking worst. I had completely um, forgotten like, Anthony Hopkins was in this. And then he started talking, and I was like, yeah. maybe I scrubbed it from my brain because he's trying his best to elevate the material, but his dialogue is but it's awful. And also it seems to be oh, one of those yeah, things uh, where like, they don't know what accent they want him to have. So he's American sometimes, and at other times he's Anthony yep. Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, and like like so yeah, and then like that is it's it's and and Naya's not. I mean, she's kind. It's kind of gross how they they're all like, you, you need to recruit Naya so that she can like be a prostitute. Like that's really grim. Um, this one's that one. Second one's got the least team. Really. Yeah. Like Ethan's really because Naya gets because Naya's job is to be on the inside. There's only really one team spy situation in this one, mm. like which is when they're at the racetrack. Um, but. Outside of that, there's never any bits where they're all working together to be spies. Yeah. 
a helicopter guy's job is to is to transport Ethan now. <laughs> Finger Ames's job is to look at look at computer screens. Noah's job is to get kidnapped to be saved. And Ethan's job is everything. Yeah. Literally everything. And they're always being all like, maybe we could help you with that, Ethan. He's all like, fuck off, I'm taking a motorbike. Um, <laughs> there are so many close-ups but, in this film. There are so many extreme close-ups in this film. Oh my God. It's And it's like so many quick zooms onto the thing you're supposed to be paying attention yep. to. Um, <laughs> so many like snap zooms, so many slow motion shots. Also, so, many, so here's, so here's something that baffled me, like right? Explosion. Here's the thing that baffled me. That opening sequence, the CG of that plane, first of all, the plane flying overhead and then the, the plane exploding, they both somehow look worse than the CG of the train in the first film. Yes. They yeah. look awful. <laughs> yeah, the CG is quite bad it sometimes is. in two. Like, um, and it's weird because it clearly... I assume that's why they've used so much practical... Since it must be, but it's weird because obviously it took place after the first with I'm assuming a much bigger budget, and yet somehow the few times they have to use CG in the first have still aged pretty well. But this, oh, they're so jarring, they really take you out of it. Number two, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that they spent a lot of the budget on birds, yeah. Like, um, like (laughs) we need more doves, more damn it. Um, yeah, like, so that's but what I would say is like, I really like John. I don't. Yeah, I don't but this think is not good, John understands. Wood. I, 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 I hard disagree. I, really? I really, you would put I, this up I there next say... to Face Off? Because this is no yeah, Face Off. You know how dare you, Patrick? This is no. This doesn't even live in the same neighborhood as Face Off. It wishes this is exactly it did. the same as Face Off. It is literally exactly. Okay. The same. At fact, some point, we're doing Face Off because you don't remember that film properly. In fact, I would say it's better than Face Off. No, no, Patrick, Patrick, I will cancel the podcast right now. How dare you? Face Off's full of moments where somebody else went, John Woo, that's a fucking stupid idea. And And he did it anyway. (laughs) He has just done absolute madness all the way through this. The soundtrack is insane. It's so jaunty for such horrible things. It really is. I had forgotten how bad it was. You know, at the beginning, when he's mountain climbing and that weird like is playing back i was like i was like i'd forgotten this i completely erased this and i now as soon as i heard that one song i was like the rest of the soundtrack's like this and speaking of the soundtrack the one thing i had always maintained the one good thing about this film that i liked was limp biscuits take a look around it's not in the film there's a horrible no, the there's a horrible like butchered version they've got some composer to do that plays over the opening sequence and you hear it as a background yep. element in a few other scenes but the original track doesn't yep. appear until the credits it's insanity no <laughs> no well and even, even then in the credits it's a version with no lyrics it's yeah not even, it's not even like it's not even like you get to hear the song um okay so here's what i love about mission impossible 2 here's what i absolutely love about okay it. It is, like, I cannot tell you how any of these choices were made. Like, <laughs> he does this really, really bizarre kind of martial arts fight. Yes. But there's a bit where he does, like, a front flip and, like, and like axe kicks this dude in the stomach. And I'm like, <laughs> that can't be the most efficient way to hit that man on the floor. Like, there's so many bits where he just says, I'm not, I wonder if maybe it's harder to hit somebody with a gun if they're doing flips in the air, maybe. <laughs> but, like... He definitely doesn't need to be doing as many things. I, th- I think There's he like- clearly thought, because and this is the thing, all jokes aside, one of the things I do really love about this franchise is that 
Cruz is clearly a student of cinema and he loves cinema and he loves loads of different styles of direction and, and genre. And he clearly was a fanboy of, of John Woo. So I don't think Woo had any say in this, but I think Cruz just said, John Woo's directing this, so I have to do martial arts. But yeah. clearly he had spent so much time focusing on how to jump off of rocks and not be killed. He didn't have that much time to actually study the art. So he's, he's well, using like, his limited knowledge. And it, as, it, as you said, it comes across in the screen because it's like, why would you do that? It, that's not the best way to handle this why situation. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> There's a bit where he like just jumps at Sean and fucking double foot kicks him in the chest and then falls awkwardly onto his side and they're both like ah I'm like mate you know what you could have done is kicked him with one leg and then you could have stood on the other one yep like like and and like when they both ride motorbikes at each other and then they just jump off and smash <laughs> to each other in the air like there's so many points where I'm all like why would you do one that? one of my like, one of the things I do love about this film do you know the trivia about the knife in the eye scene yeah like. <laughs> Like, why would you film it that way? Instead of every other knife shot in the world, you have resistance the opposite way. So, high pressure, and if it slips, the knife springs away out of the guy's yeah. eye. Whereas Tom Cruise was all like, I want to film this the other way around, where they have to apply pressure to stop it going in my eye to make it look more like I might get stabbed in the eye. Like, because if if I if I actually might get stabbed in the eye, might might get stabbed in the eye performance. Yeah, carry on. Sorry. And it's like, but you could yeah. have been stabbed in the eye. And then he has the knife, and he's like, and Sean's like, go on then, take me out with the knife. And Ethan's like, no, I'm not going to use the knife. And instead of like throwing the knife away, he throws it at the ground near him. And I was just like, why would you do that? Like, why if he gets the knife, but he doesn't get the knife because 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 Tom Cruise is too busy doing like. An insane roundhouse flip. Yep. And it's just mental. Like, there's so many bits in this where he's just like talking to somebody, and then like him and I are having that conversation in Biosite, and then he's just like, hold on, bang, 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 and he just shoots somebody, and then there's just suddenly a flurry of gunshots and bullets, and he's all like, anyway, yeah, we were, we were talking about something. And like, it's just, it's insane. Yeah. And it's also, it's so weirdly paced, really slow and quiet for like, an hour yep. with just weird jaunty music and them all just kind of hanging out in pretty places and meeting and stuff and then suddenly it's all like okay and then the second half all shooting all action like I maintain and I will stick I will say that I will stick with this into my dying breath the the ending sequence from him getting on the motorbike all of that is great it is absolutely great like it is Full of practical stunts. I love when Luther shoots the car off the bridge with the grenade launcher so that he can ride through the fire in slow motion. Yeah, I love. I love. I that think I would. I think I would agree with you. But what it is for me three, and we're going to get around to three in a second. But three, some of the stuff they do in the bridge just blows anything in this film out of the water for me. Yeah, in fairness, and like it, it's 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 not as good as three, but like I like it's so insane. Like the, the bit where. The bomb goes off the door and Sean looks up. It's like a ring of fire around him and he just looks at him like, oh, like, yeah, motherfucker, it's me. I am here. <laughs> and it's just like, like, Ethan, why would you do that? Like, that's terrible <laughs> spying. Um, but I also really love that bit where he's slowly taking out all the guards. Like, he Metal Gear Solid's all the guards. He, like, knocks one out and then the yeah. other ones are like, hey, where's, where's, where's Phil gone? And he walks over and he just knocks him out and then the other ones are like, 
where did, where did Joe Phil and then like just one by one they just walk into the same fucking room where there's clearly just like a pile of unconscious guards that Tom Cruise is knocking out one yeah. by one uh, I love I love the mask flip when it looks like Ethan's dead, but then it's the henchman and, yeah. he's, and he's put the tape over his mouth. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then Sean's all like, where's, where's, where's Ethan gone with the mask on? And he's running in slow motion. <laughs> like <laughs> All of that is just, I really, and, and what I would say is that what, one of the strengths of Mission Impossible 2, and I know that I think there are more strengths than most people. I have, think you do. <laughs> is, is the villain. Like, cause Sean Ambrose, is fucking disgusting. Yeah. He is horrible and just repulsive in every single respect. And like, I, you really want even to fucking beat the shit out of him by the end, <laughs> right? Like, there is no part of me that's all like, oh, maybe this guy's got some redeeming qualities. He does not. No. He's the worst motherfucker in the world. Yeah. But I also really love that, like, this is kind of, this is, this is the most James Bond one. It's not very gadgety. No. But like, he meets a lady and he falls in love with her and has sex with her five minutes later. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like, but I really, what I really love is the scene where Ethan's planning the lab heist. And then Sean is there being all like, Ethan's a fucking moron. So he won't go through the, through the lobby and just shoot people. He'll do something ridiculous, like jumping in through the roof. And then it cuts to Ethan. He's all like, I'll have to jump in through the roof. And then, and then Sean's all like, he definitely won't like, you know, do something normal, like just hacking the computer. He'll run around with some sort of crazy laser cutting. And it cuts to Ethan. He's all like, I'll need some sort of laser cutting. And it's just like, it's what I really like about it is that he's become really predict- Sean fucking hates it. Yeah. And he's become really predictable because and I really like the idea that Sean had to keep on pretending to be Ethan and slowly grew to hate him because he had to keep on smirking and pretending to be Tom Cruise and then bit by bit he was all like I fucking despise this guy. Yeah. One day I'm going to stab him in the face. He's essentially the um the Frank Grimes of the Mission Impossible franchise. He is, yeah, and I think that he's really, I think he's really good at it. I really love that bit where his mates are like, the, the dialogue at times is so weird. Yeah. His mates are like, she wasn't exactly gagging for it last time she was here. And he's just all like, the thing is though, I am gagging for it. And he drops his finger off. And it's just like, like, the idea that the villain would be all like, no, she wasn't desperate to have sex last time, but I am. So maybe you could just let me have sex with her, even though it's clearly a bad idea. You're the henchman. I'm the boss. Let, let me I, do bad things. Just, yeah, it's just insane. Like, the whole thing is just absolutely batshit mental from start to finish. John Woo can really frame a shot. Oh, he absolutely can. Listen, listen, I want everyone to know I love John Woo. I think all his stuff, his original uh, with Chow Young Fat is some of the greatest work you will ever see. His American stuff, I, like I said, I think Face Off is one of the best action films of all time. I just do not care for this film at all. I love his video games. I love his comic book stuff. I, I hate this though. I hate this for the passion. It's a bad film. If it had been the first film, the franchise wouldn't exist. The only good thing to ever come out of it is Take a Look Around by Limp Bizkit. I will not speak about it anymore. We will move on to number three. Uh, what? Come on, I've got loads more good things to say. No, but there are no more good things. Too. You wrap that up. Oh, come on. Oh, okay. You get one more good thing. Um, Give me one more good thing from that abomination. Oh, what I really like is when Tom Cruise is pretending to be the scientist and then that that that, that guy's in, in the bed and he turns to him and he goes, 
give me the antidote, you whacked out Russian gypsy. And I was just like, who who wrote that down? And how many people did that pass through? And they said it was nobody okay. Nobody was all like, nobody, yeah, like no one was all like, this seems a bit yeah. like off. Do you know I, I mean, mean like, like, all of it. That, so that line is generally encapsulates everything I hate. The, the thing about that film is that even though you see some elements from the first and you're like, okay, it's a bit, it's it's not aged amazingly well. I still think, you know, let's say it was given a remaster. You could, it could pass for a film made now, right? And I think that goes for all the other films in that franchise. Number two is so of its time. It's insane. He yeah. gets the mission delivered the most... on Oakley sunglasses. He's like yeah. got his curtains in his hair. He's rock climbing in like his vest and his khaki shorts. And, like it's just so 2000. They might as well have called it Mission Impossible Extreme. Like it's just too it's... much. <laughs> they should have called it Mission Impossible 2000. Yeah, exactly. It is the exactly. Most early 2000s film in the entire world. But I think that's also what I like about it is that, like, for me, like, when I saw Mission Impossible 2 at the cinema, I loved it. And because I was 13, <laughs> you know I mean? like, but for me, there's something about the fact that when you watch it now, it powerfully takes me back to being 13 <laughs> because it's it, like it's 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 aged. Like like milk. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Like awful. so much of it is stuff that I'm just like I cannot believe that this was something that somebody thought was a good idea. Yeah, but at the even, same even time, the product placement is like I don't know. I, I just feel like it doesn't stand out in other films as much as this. But it's like everyone has an Audi, like the brand new Audi that was out at that time, and like you can clearly yeah. see his sneakers in so many of the shots. And it's like even like the leather jackets would it have been around the time of the Matrix? It feels like it. Because there's it's... a lot of there's a lot of Nokia, a lot yes. of zooms on yeah. the Nokia logo. Um, but again, like John Woo can really frame a shot, no matter how insane what's in the shot is. <laughs> I really like the camera work. There's only one really obvious bad piece of wire work when the when the motorbike jumps down onto the bridge. Yeah. Um, I really like in terms. So a little like the like the light bulb in the first one. I really love that bit where he spins the back wheel of the bike so that he creates a big cloud of smoke. Okay, that is really cool. I will give you that. That so is that very cool. The road. Yeah, like, no, that's very that's cool. That's really clever. Yeah, like, it is. It is, and uh, it and looks great. Into, it actually looks great. Drops, looks fantastic. And when he drops into Biosite, there's a moment where he's hanging from the thing just like in the Langley heist and it's absolutely silent just like in the Langley heist and you hear like just the tiniest noises of his like feet moving and stuff and that the sound design's excellent there much yeah. better than any of the sound in the rest of the film <laughs> which is just an insane cacophony of terrible music <laughs> like but like yeah I, I I'm I'm all, I'm all in I think it's better than the first one <laughs> okay well I'm very upset by that but we'll move on to number three number three rest in peace to the great Philip Seymour Hoffman He's such a good villain. Yes. Uh, I mean, threes of these three movies, Mission Impossible Three is easily the best. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely fantastic. It's so good. All the performances are really good. Yeah, I really, really, really. Enjoy- it's easily JJ Abrahams' best film. Oh yeah, in easily. fact, I would say. I would say it's right up there. It's 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 probably better than the first episode of Lost. I think it's probably the best thing JJ Abrahams. Has yeah, it really is. is just so good like i really really like all of the cast yeah that it's got more of a team dynamic yeah. than the previous one um you know uh, i really like the consistency of luther being there in all three of them like i really enjoy that like because one thing that i think is interesting is that there's not a lot of in the third one he, he's all like oh this makes langley look easy yeah but like they very rarely mention 
watching previous missions. Yeah. But I guess maybe Ethan's been on so many missions that like it's kind of like those are just that's just so what you know what I do like about about Luther being there is that there's a lot of people that are introduced and and disappear over the the course of the franchise where obviously we get the fact we get we got start to realize that Ethan's good at his job and we realize that he's somewhat likable. But there are some situations where you're like, why would anyone team up with this guy? He only just survives most of these missions and they're really dangerous and you get disavowed. But the thing about he and Luther is that like you really buy into the idea there's a genuine bond there. And beyond that first yeah. mission where Luther just made a quick buck and did the right thing, he saw someone who he admired the principles of and said, look, I'd always, I'll have your back if you need me. And I think they do a really good job of fleshing that out over the course of the franchise like we'll get to it when we do the next one but there's a scene in one of the later friend later episodes where luther his life is threatened and there's a dilemma of should ethan do the thing that will help him successfully carry out the mission or should he save luther's life and he saves luther's life and it's earned it's earned in that film because of stuff like this film that really has those scenes that build that relationship and 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 tell that backstory in a in a really convincing way it's one of the things i really love about this franchise well i also really like the idea that well actually when you see because the third one is the first time where we like see imf yeah he he goes to work (laughs) and we see the place where imf are based and i really like actually it seems like nobody else at work really likes Ethan. yeah it's just luther and him are mates but like almost everyone else at the offices are like oh god it's him jesus christ what's he gonna like simon pegg's character is very much all like ethan I, I don't want to work like no no, no. he picks up he's all like please don't I, I've got I've got like a regular job I've avoided doing missions with you for yep. exactly this purpose like and once again seriously... that's another thing that's another thing that James Bond has stolen you know in the in in the the new yeah. film especially but in the past couple of films there's a real sense of oh god this guy again and I and I love it because they've realised like a lot this of people realise that he would be the worst person to work with. You wouldn't want to work with a guy like this. You just want to go in, do your he's work and go home. He's a nightmare. He endangers people. He breaks stuff. Everything he's in seems to be yeah. a, a plan that started out relatively simple. And as you said, he somehow complicates it because the mission is just to get into a building. And he's like, well, we'll need to drop in this air light, But the air light is only open <laughs> from the hours of 4.15 to 4.17. And once it closes, swarms of guard dogs will attack you and the guard dogs have bees in their mouths and the bees will kill you. And the antidote for the killing is only available in South Africa. It's like, why? Why can't we just walk through the front door? Yeah, and Luther's, but Luther's consistently like, in the first one, he's all like, that's insane. And even in the second one, he's all like, Ethan, that's a bad idea. But by the third one, he's all like, all right, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. And, and, like, and there's a moment where he's a bit like, really swinging between the built, Really? And Tom Cruise is all like, obviously, that's what we're doing. And he's all like, all right, well, I guess I'll get you some fucking ropes. Because, yeah. you know, I know better than to argue. I really like, actually, as well, that, like, there's a lot along the way. Like, in the first one, he has nobody to trust. Yeah. And, I like, scene we forgot from the first one, but the sequence where where he tricks John Reno into giving him the disc. Yes. Um and and, and he makes it and, and he's and he's like and he tricks him into thinking that he's got the disc and then Jean Reno pelts the disc in a bin and he has to go pick it out and so like, no, this is I did give him the disc. <laughs> um but he trusts Luther with it then and he's all like he's all like you may be disavowed, but I know that you are a decent person who will do the right thing yeah. comes down to it. And he doesn't really have that in the first film. And even in the second one, like He's not really got like Naya's obviously kind of like not really an IMF agent. Mm. An Australian man 
I guess is like a local person yeah. in the pickup because it's set in Australia. Like I don't really he obviously he never reappears. Um but obviously there's nobody else who can reappear from the first one, aside from Kittredge, because everybody else dies. Yeah. Right. Like everyone everyone except for for Ethan and, and Luther gets murdered in the first film. So there's no there's no like consistency you can have with the characters. I really appreciate them introducing Benji in the third one because he also becomes kind of a like an ongoing yeah. oh here's a guy who works at Iowa. He kind of takes Luther's place actually, doesn't he? Because yeah. Luther's not on a mission with them after this. He's just like a kind of pops up and he's like, Hey I'm still alive. Um, let me let me get my paycheck. Yeah I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Like but I think that I really, really I really, really like the consistency. And I think they make a really good trilogy. Yes. You know, he's like, he's young, but not too inexperienced. And then he's like at the height of his career and he's a total knob. Who thinks yeah. He's the greatest Super arrogant. The world. Yeah. Thinks and then, he's and invincible. This one, he's much, and then this one, he's much more like, I'm a bit tired of this guy. It's like, maybe I could just have a also, life. Also, what's great. Like, yeah. It's just... in, he's like, I have something to lose now. And so it gives you those stakes again. Because like you said, when you've become the king of the world and bullets don't phase me, we need some some level of threat and some stakes. And that's given to him by the fact that he starts to feel his own mortality and he has something yeah. to live for. And even more than the first one, three is sweaty and dirty yeah. and heavy breathing it is hard work being Ethan in this yeah. film but what I love is that um, with the addition and- of Philip Seymour Hoffman I think more so than any of these of his films there's just some great acting in this there is some tense yes. as hell some incredible monologues it's just great yeah it's, he's chewing Sunni yeah. and he, he's loving it and it's and, and he's I mean rest in peace that man he was just one of those people that when he was in a scene with someone he elevates them to have to join yeah. him and, and 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 Tom Cruise never gets enough credit for it but is a great actor and you put him on the scene with the right people he'll nail it and those scenes those two together oh it's just brilliant and what I love about three as well is that like he's they're all like hey can't you come back into the field and he's all like oh I train people now and then like but much more so in the second one he's like super spy you can do anything yeah but in the third one he's better at everything yeah like the the infiltration of the Vatican is so cool it's like unbelievably smooth he fires that fucking thing onto the camera and he turns the camera off he prints that little picture out and puts it over the, front of the camera <laughs> that's so clever that's such a neat little gadget yeah. like and it's not high tech it's not sci-fi shit it's a small printer <laughs> with a little little with a little frame that you put over a camera to make it look like the camera's still working and like all of that, like I really, and then he like slides down. It's got a bit where he hangs from the wires. Yeah. Because apparently that's a thing yeah. that we need to have in all of these films. <laughs> um, and then he just like drops it off. You see the wire whipping up the wall behind him and he just pops up. I, think, dressed, like, I think that's my least favorite thing about this this series because it takes away from the fact that pretty much every film, I'd say apart from two, you might disagree, but I think every film in the series actually does have its own spectacular screenshot that encapsulates an yeah. ins- and I, so I don't think you need the hey look he's hanging from a wire again because pretty much every mm. film has a jaw dropping whether he holds his breath and dives into an insane amount of water or whether he's hanging off the side of a plane uh, he they all have that so I don't it's, it's just a little niggle but I feel like I get it but we don't need that homage to the first one everyone has a scene that almost matches that first one now yeah yeah well in like in three that's the the bridge assault especially the the shot of him getting slammed into the side of the oh, car it's incredible and stuff which he did for real as, 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 when that came out when that was in the trailer which bit of this 
I was gonna say when it came out in the trailer Which initially, I a hundred percent said that's CG. That's like that has to be CG. Yeah. And I saw the making of, and I was like, "What? I I don't understand." Yeah. <laughs> Why would you? But like so so often when you when you watch the making of, so often what they did was they tried it out with wires, they tried it out with CG, and Tom Cruise looked at it and went, "It doesn't look enough like I'm being slammed painfully into a car. <laughs> what if?" We just threw me at a car, and then and then all the insurance people are all like, "It's fine with us." Go for it. You make my job into into an app. No, no. If you like, there's a bit in the Ghost Protocol making of where one of them is talking, and they're all like, "The problem with Tom Cruise, we're working with Tom Cruise, is that it's a nightmare to insure him because like you ask him to do something, and then he just and then there's literally a bit where one of them's all like, Tom." Tom, get off the building. We haven't insured you yet. And he's just like, just climbing up the side of this fucking building with no ropes. I've, and they're all I've, like, I've did, I, I did remember when I saw one of the, the prop people were talking about, they were like, so what's your greatest challenge when you're making the props? And when he had to hang off the plane, they're like, well, people don't realize this, but when you're up that high and you've got that much wind hitting you, your eyes become really dry. So we had to create like this special contact lenses to put in his eyes, but he won't wear them. And it's like, you will go blind. <laughs> But it's because he's so eager to just jump on the side of the plane, <laughs> they're like. But it's also because he's. It's also because he's genuinely like, I my eyes need to look like they really hurt. <laughs> like if it's, it's like that, there's that shot in Ghost Protocol where he nails his face in the window, and they tried that like ten different ways, and he was all like, I guess, guys, I'm just I'm gonna just have to gonna do have it. To smash my face against the window, yeah, like, and I really, I love that about him. I think he's fantastic, and and three is the worst start of like. There is stuff in here, like he jumped off that building with the rope tied to him. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like all that stuff. And one the only the only only mild criticism I've had I'd have of three is that it doesn't have a really big set piece. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it doesn't have like the Vatican heist is great and mm. it's a great like team-based spy thing. It's that's really back from the first one. And I really like that the team of four of them kind of all have three jobs. And so they're all like switching roles and doing different things. I love that he throws in how the mask machine works. Really enjoy yeah. that. That sequence that sequence where you see the mask being made is really cool. Like because up until now the masks have kind of been like magic. Yeah. But like they have to take the one thing I will say so I'm gonna go back model. and I'll say one thing I you know I blasted two and I blasted the CG and I stand by those comments. However, that initial reveal in the opening sequence, when Dimitri's mask is pulled off, flawless. I paused it a bunch of times trying to find the holes in it. It looks great. Yeah. You know, you know, in some of the other films, one especially, you can kind of see that moment where they edited between one actor yeah. grabbing their face and another actor ripping off a rubber mask. But that scene in two, oh my God, it's flawless. And it looks like the mask yes. in, in one, yeah. like, like with the robbery stretching. In fairness, though, it is nowhere near as flawless as the scene in which he puts on the Philip Seymour Hoffman mask in this. And it transitions absolutely seamlessly from Tom Cruise wearing a Philip Seymour Hoffman mask and having it fitted. To Philip Seymour Hoffman just touching his face, yeah. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. And it is so impressive. It really is. I really love the addition. Obviously, it's an addition from two of the yeah. little... Uh, the voice the box. Chips yeah. The throat. Yeah. But... I really like the bit where he has to make him read the card and he's people like, read the fucking sentence, read the fucking sentence. Like, like I really, really like that. Yeah. Like, and I, yeah, like the bit where he hangs him out of the plane, the uh, the whole opening sequence, because this one starts quite quiet as well. It's, it starts yeah. off, obviously, it starts off with the sequence of of, of, of him and, uh, and Julia being in captivity, but then it cuts back to the party and the party is fantastic. Like, 
it's 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 one of the only films where I've ever seen Tom Cruise convincingly acting like he's a real human being. <laughs> like you know, Tom Cruise is he has studied really us for many years, jumping off a building and really bad at. But he's usually really great at jumping off a building and really bad at like going for a meal. Which is a really <laughs> weird trait for an actor to have. Um, there were points in both two and three where I was all like, you know what, be useful here is some exploding chewing gum. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. in, in the second and third ones they use a lot of just bums and I was like, that's also like- that's also a very james bond thing where q will give him a, a device where bond says i'll have no need for that and we as an audience go you'll clearly have a very obvious need for it at some point it saves the day and then he never uses it again in any other, any yeah, other film like- and it's like i'm sorry but if someone gave me something that fit in my pocket that could save the world numerous times I would just say mass produce that thing so I could always use it. And like you said, Ethan, yeah, other but, than the masks, he never uses any of these inventions again. No, he, he just uses them once. It's like, why? Well, like, like, they have a different method of fooling security cameras every film. So, like, <laughs> well, what was wrong with the last security camera yeah. fooling method? Like, okay, we'll, we'll get um, to it next time. But that elaborate projection hallway scheme is one of the oh most tense things in the front. I hate it. It makes me, I, I know how it ends, but I sit on the edge of my seat every time. It's horrible. It's so tense. Yeah. <laughs> there has I to mean, be a less elaborate way to do that. <laughs> I can't wait to get to Ghost Protocol. It is, it is, it's it fantastic. is so good. Yeah. But yeah, no, three of these three is easily the best. Oh yeah. I really love, I think there's an element at which when he's at the party at the start, I was a bit like, maybe Tom Cruise could play Superman because... He takes Ethan, and he is still Ethan, and he does such a convincing, I am a boring nerd who nobody would like. Like, that bit where he's talking about traffic, yeah. he's all like, traffic's memory. And, like, he really seems like a total loser. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but I think, once again, really I, I, I don't know if I'd even say Superman. I'd say, once again, Batman. Because yeah. the whole thing about him is he could all, he could easily interact with people and be the most likable guy at the party and be charming and everything. But the entire time he's like, I should be punching a criminal in the face right now. Yeah. That's his driving force. He could talk to us and live a normal life and he could raise kids. But even whilst he's throwing that ball with his kid, he'd be like, somewhere there's a terrorist who I'm not punching. I should be punching that terrorist. And that's the yeah. thing about Ethan. He's I, driven by these missions. Yeah, and I really, I really, little touches. I really like when he needs to go to the, to, to the meet the, to meet Billy Crudup and he just throws all the ice out. <laughs> and like, you don't really need that shot. Yeah. Like he could easily just go, I need to get some ice. But it's the fact that Ethan would be all like, but what if she goes in the freezer? And she's still like, yeah. 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 So he goes and he throws the ice out, and it's just like those little touches are again what sells him as this guy. I mean, even the fact that he goes to where he goes to, because like you say, he could have met him at another location, but he's probably thought about, well, how full would the petrol tank be if I actually went to the convenience store, and how long would that journey take? Like as you said, I might as well go and do it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really, really neat. There is a mild problem. I tell you what, one thing that I noticed is that. He meets Billy Crudup at the um, at the convenience store, and then he gets the little camera, and he takes the camera home and watches it in his garage. And it's daytime. The party's in the evening. Yeah. He gets the camera in the evening. Then he watches it, and there's sunlight like coming through the blinds. And then it's the same night when he's going to bed, and he tells that he's got the mission tomorrow. Which is, I was just a little bit like, mm. that's an odd. That's an odd. I wouldn't expect JJ to let that slip. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because he's very good at that generally. Um, but I mean, maybe maybe there's just a really bright lamppost outside Ethan's garage. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive him. But like, there was just, it was the only thing in the whole film. I mean, JJ's really got to get a, a flare in there somehow, doesn't he? So I really love that we don't see the lab 
infiltration. I really love that JJ was clearly like, oh, well, they did a lab infiltration in the last one. So, yeah. fuck it, let's just not have it. Yeah. Like, it, let's just not see it on the screen. <laughs> and it's just like, it's such an odd choice to have him just like, like he just goes in and then like, they all sit there being like, but it's really interesting seeing it from the other side. They're yeah. all sat there like, I wonder what Ethan's doing. He's okay. <laughs> and, then this, and, then, and then he just cuts back into the radio and he's all like, I can't get to the roof. I can't get to the roof. And jump out the window. And then it just explodes and he jumps out the window. And it's just this like, little glimpse of what being on Ethan's team would be, be like, like. Yeah. Which is that you spend a lot of time being all like, I wonder if it's going okay. Yeah. And then he's all like, it's not going okay. <laughs> um, uh, I love, love the uh, the baseball launcher. Yes. Banging the baseballs off the roof. Like, it's just, again, it's just another little, like, weird little, like, like how, what are we going to do to distract these guards? Well, so they're looking the wrong way when he <laughs> swings at them. It's like a base, baseballs. It's like, it's just, it's so odd. Yeah. I really like it. It's yeah. really neat. And uh, the, the swing is great. I really love that when he's planning it, he does a lot of maths on the window. I really think that like, sells the idea that Ethan's not just like, I could swing that. He sat there with like a diagram and a bunch of equations being all like, I could swing that. And, and then they have to be all like, well, yeah, I mean, You've done the maths, Ethan. Like, it's, it's a fucking stupid idea. It's the same thing that nobody would think of. But Let's yes, do it. Yeah. I suppose mathematically it's possible. So there you go. Like he slides down the roof. That bit's brilliant. It's yeah. so tense. It's still he's like sliding away. Like in fact, the opening sequence where they have to rescue Lindsay um, is really, really tense. Yeah. I really Really well shot as well. Really like the Bluetooth guns and stuff. Um, it's really well shot. The shaky cam did not. I remember this being very shaky. I remember yeah, this being a very yeah, era same. shaky cam. But actually, watching it back, it, it wasn't at all. It was no. I think I think it's shaky how it needs to be. Like when there's when they're yeah. both sat on the chairs and he's pleading. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. But don't do this. Don't do that. Like it. It adds the, the correct amount of tension for that scene, and it feels yeah. erratic in the right way. Absolutely. The the camera work was really, really good. Again, JJ, by far the best camera work I've ever seen yeah. in JJ Abrams. It's almost, um, it's almost shocking how good this is and that he hasn't been able to recreate it. And it makes me wonder if with some of these films, it's almost a Feige situation where uh, is it really directed by Cruz and he's allowing people to do their thing on top of it? Because some of these people haven't been as tight as they have in this franchise. They have such a clear directorial stamp on each one of them. I think that maybe Tom Cruise is just a good producer. I yeah. Think maybe he's just got a good balance of letting them do their own thing, but then occasionally reining them in and being all like, "No, nah, that's too much. That's yeah. that's not really working." Like, Apart from uh, I love the I love the I love the MacGuffin in this. I, <laughs> I love that. Like in most JJ films, there's just fucking mystery boxes everywhere. <laughs> but the one in this, it it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the rabbits. In fact, even at the end he's all like, hey, what was it? And Lawrence Fishman's like, oh, I'll tell you if you continue to work with me. And he's all like, nah, fuck that shit. Like, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think it's really interesting as well that this one ends in quite a definitive, this one feels like the end of a trilogy. It feels like yeah. Ethan's retiring. It feels like it's over. He takes her to meet his friends at work, which is a sequence I love. I really like that she gets to like be part of his life. I really like Julia. Yeah, like, I think too. she's a really, Michelle Monaghan's great in this. She's really likable. Um, I love that Ethan can't quite stop himself being creepy at the party and he's reading the lips and then shouts the answers to that question. I think that's a really, really <laughs> great scene. Like, like where everything else, he's so good at playing this traffic guy, but there's just one or two little things where he can't remember how regular people act. Yeah. <laughs> he's all like, he's all like, oh yeah, humans won't be able to hear from that. Distance, but I about that. Like, um, 
Yeah, and the the obviously every scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman is yeah. absolutely fantastic. There's not a moment where he's not brilliant. And I think I think uh, what's great is he, not only does he elevate this film, he elevated the franchise because you can't have a crappy villain after him. And most of the villains have been great ever since because how can ghost, you not? The Ghost Protocol one isn't. He's he's just like some dude with a mustache. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that film's but that film's really not really about a kind of a villain. I can't. Yeah, so that's that's fine. Um, yeah, I really like Luther in this one. I really like that he's a bit like, oh, retired, did you, Ethan? Oh, you were the best spy in the world, but now, what are you doing? Just working, at, hanging out at home? Like, aren't you bored? I love that bit where they're all like, you can't have a regular relationship, Ethan. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, we're Mission Impossible characters. You can't get married. You fucking, Happiness you is not on the like, cards for you. Yeah, this ain't, gonna, this ain't gonna work for you, you idiot. And then for the next three um, films, he just has horrible nightmares about dooming all the people he loves. Yeah, and also, but for the next, after this one, he doesn't attempt to have a relationship yeah. again. And there's very little love interest stuff. And that's the other thing that I kind of appreciate here is that it does feel like Ethan as a character learns things from each film. He doesn't make the same mistakes every time. Yeah. He makes new, new mistakes. <laughs> which, like, but like, but I feel like that shows in this one, he's trying really hard to have a normal life because yeah. he wants that and he talks and he's and there's that point where he's all like it reminds me of like it's it's like what i want what i want is to remember what it felt like before i was this person yeah and like and i really and that's a really good conflict for a spy to have especially like a super spy yeah um i love love that bit where he escapes in the lift captain america ripped that off obviously um <laughs> but but ethan's way better at it than captain america i really really like all the bits, like the bit where he runs away at the hospital at the start and it fucks up and they get like, uh, and he gets like tasered and falls down. <laughs> and then and then they take him back to IMF headquarters and he just, like, it's not like there's a long bit where he's all like planning it again. So he just gives him a fucking pen and he's all like, right, I'm escaping again. And he's just like, straight out, fuck this shit. You can't control me. Also, um, is this the yeah. first of the uh, Ethan runs insanely fast because there's obviously that sequence on the bridge. Yeah, where he's just sprinting. Because I don't think I can remember it in any of the other two, but obviously it, I mean, it's in every film after this. But I, is this the first of the like he's going to run an insanely long mount for one take? It's yeah, it's definitely the first time that happens in the in the first one. Obviously, there's a sprint scene where he there's lots of sprinting in the opening, and then he also sprints away from the exploding fish rescue, which he did for real because um, he's insane. Yeah, the second one has quite a lot of sprinting, but it's generally in slow motion. Yeah. So you don't actually see it. But yeah, this is the first one where there's one long shot of Tom Cruise running for an unreasonably long amount of time. This what guy's in his really 60s, is, man. It's insane. What I also love is that he's really good. Like, he's like, I really like, in the first one, he's all like zero body count. And in the second one, like, Sean makes the point that he's going to go for it in a way that there won't be a body count. Yeah. Like, in the third one, when he's doing his long run, he's being all like, excuse me, out of the way, excuse me, I'm running through it. Like he's like, he's like, he's a decent person. Yeah. He thinks about other people. Like he, he doesn't want there to be loads of collateral damage for the things he does. He doesn't want to, like, he's not the kind of spy who will just blow up a building. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Cause we, we, we laugh at his super intricate, overcomplicated plots, but the point of all of those is we get in, retrieve the MacGuffin and are un undetected or at least if, if by the time yeah. they detect us it's long gone we don't have to tranquilize or harm a bunch of people we don't have to set off a bunch of alarms 
if we can, we should be an efficient enough team that we go in, we go out, and we get what we need to do to proceed without being detected. Nobody gets hurt. I'd rather axe kick somebody. I'd rather front flip axe kick somebody in the stomach. No, <laughs> like, you know, because that guy will be uncomfortable and he won't be moving. But he'll be alive. He'll be alive. <laughs> like he, he, the number of people he kills in these films, it's like he kills John Renault and and Phelps in the first one. Uh, he, obviously, he kills Sean in the second one, which that motherfucker deserves because he's a piece of shit. And in this one, he kills Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I think that's it so yeah. far. And we are like three spy films. I guess he does like shoot people sometimes. He does like just shoot people. Yeah. But like, I buy that maybe he's shooting them non-lethally. I buy that maybe he's shooting them in the shoulders and stuff so that they can't continue to be aggressors and not killing them. And that's the thing. And that's and I really like that about his character. Um, I really, really like the whole ending sequence where like, I really like that him and Philip Seymour Hoffman have like a bit of a fight. But his death, the bad guy's death is pretty, pretty non, non, like he just, just jabs him in front of that truck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the shoe falls down, which is a funny, like that's a yeah. funny shot for such a horrible film. Um, but I like that then he's still got the thing in his head and he's being all, ah, ah, and he's yeah. like running around and he's trying to, and he's all like, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to, you're going to have to electrocute me. And then Julia has that kind of brief bit where she has to defend herself. And it's really tense. It's yeah. really, really tense. It's scary. It's overwhelming. It's excellent. It's really excellent. The head bomb thing is horrible, especially at the start with Lindsay, where she's like, where she's being all like, Ethan, thanks. And then she's like, yeah. <laughs> and like, and it's not a silly suicide squad head explosion. No. It's like a, it's just popped the bit of the brain that means yeah. she's no longer alive. And you, exactly, because you see horrible. you see that life disappear from that person's eyes. Yeah. Yeah, and as like you said, that, that there's something horrific. that's more visceral than seeing a head explode. Yeah. Especially brilliant. when you're in a situation where you could be the next person. That's the terrifying yeah. thing about it. Absolutely. I think that, honestly, watching it back... So far, certainly of these of these three that, I've, that we've watched, it is by far the best, and it's actually a really great film. Yeah, like I would recommend Mission Impossible Three to people who don't like Mission Impossible films, and probably to people who don't like Tom Cruise. Yeah, because I think that See, it's, it's it's funny not... because um, so the people for listening to us across the world, we have. Uh, a network here on television called ITV. They have several spin-off networks and it's almost this revolving joke that they only play the same films over and over again. So if you catch them at any given day, they're probably playing one of the Harry Potter films, one of the Fast and Furious franchise or the Mission Impossible films. And so because they're on so frequently, I actually only own one of the films physically and that's three. The others, I just catch them whenever on ITV3 because they're always on. But with three, it's like I'm in a mood to watch that quite frequently and i'm always a bit upset if i can't so i just went out and bought it um and i've got the two special watched, edition and i don't regret it at all i watched the blu-ray remasters of these three which i have um but i gotta say watching them back i went and looked and i was a bit like are there 4k versions of these because mm, I, bet I, they look could, good. I could i could watch mission impossible i bet especially three i'd like and in terms of the effects there's not a bad shot. No, not at all. Not, not, not at a all. single. Like we we like laugh at him for, for the flares and stuff, but this film looks great. It looks fantastic. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. And it's funny shot. because it the one bad thing that this did was it really. I think I say Bourne also kind of carries the responsibility, but it was really responsible for that teal and orange 
action color grade that everything goes now yeah. but like it's because they nailed it with this this made it look so good i'm not surprised a million clones have ripped it off it looks great i love this film it looks it's fantastic. It looks fantastic film. So, yeah, and actually, it was really nice ending it on like ending it on a high. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, actually, it's. I think it's very rare that you watch three films in a trilogy and you're all like, third one, it's the best. hands down, yeah. is the best. Like, I can't think of any other trilogies that are like that. Like, so if for some insane reason that. you people listening to this haven't seen any of these films, I mean, you know my views on two. You don't have to watch two, but um, one and three are two of the best action films ever made. Superbly directed brilliant cast on both yeah just watch them even if you've listened to this because you thought well i'm not into mission impossible i'm never going to see them don't feel like we have spoiled any elements of them even knowing everything we've told you about one and the twists that happen just watch it we are, we are two people that have watched these films numerous times and one still gets me it's it's still gripping yeah. the performances are still fantastic you don't really know who you can trust it's brian de palmer it has all like these insane dutch angles and a lot of the conversations are shot from a worm's eye view and you're not really sure who's telling the truth or who to trust if someone sweats you seem to be seeing them from the point of view of the bead of sweat you're insanely close to people's heads but that just adds to the tension yeah. and paranoia that's in all these films number three like we said abrams has never been better the, the the dialogue is great the funny parts are funny the action is brilliant the cg is great it's the start of like one of the best if not the best action film franchises of all time if you haven't got into it sort your life out and watch these films yeah and also i think it's well worth one of the things that's really good about these is that it's well worth watching even if you have seen them before even if you haven't because it's watching the stuff happen that's fun about these, not finding out what happens. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. seeing the things happen visually that's what's great about these. What's really good, Patrick? What have you been watching, listening to, playing or reading this week? Okay, so I've got a couple of things because it's been a while since we've done this. Yeah. So um, I, I bought the new Pokemon game, but I haven't had a chance to start playing it yet. Cool. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely get I mean, I'll, I'll definitely have that next time. Um, me and Logan both both got it so we're gonna play together and see how it feels uh i have been watching foundation is finished now i know that i've mentioned foundation at least four times in the <laughs> what, what you're watching it's good it's it was a great series it was brilliant i really enjoyed it i'm not gonna harp on about it anymore but yeah get apple tv and watch it cool. but mainly what i've been watching is a show called my hero academia which is a very very popular anime show like uh it's it's probably like 10 years old now but when it started I was a bit like, I don't want to watch this. Like, uh, I, I read, I read the start of the manga, and I was a bit like, this is just like Naruto, but I don't like it as much. And I was a bit like, this really, it's not really gonna, it's not really doing it for me. There was a level at which I was kind of like, these kids thinking they know about anime and manga, they all watch <laughs> this new thing. This new thing's not as good as my old things. My old things are better. Um, and then me and Logan were sat around. Logan also didn't enjoy it. It was a bit like, oh, it's stupid. I don't like my kids. And then he, Logan also was like, it's like Naruto, but crap. So then we were sat around and we were both talking about what to watch. Logan was like, oh, maybe we should watch My Hero Academia. And I was like, well, you know, maybe we should. <laughs> and so we put it on. Um, and as it turns out, it's very good. Cool. Uh, it's like, as Logan pointed out at some point, he was all like, it is like Naruto, but... I love Naruto. I was like, yes, same. And it's like, and we're, and we're like, and we're now like, when it started, it was right after Naruto finished, but we're yeah. now like 10 years out from Naruto finishing. And so I, I'd happily watch another similar thing to Naruto. Yeah. The 
if like the first season's on Netflix, uh, and I know that you're not a big anime person. Yeah, um, I was gonna say if there's any weird. anime that intrigues me, I would say it's this, and merely for the fact. As someone who attends cons, I see cosplays from that fandom a lot. And it has some of yep. the best costume design, I think, of any anime that I have been um, exposed to. Yeah, it's got great costumes. It's got really good names. Like, there's 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 this guy um, who's called, like, he's, he's got, like, concrete powers. His, his power is controlling concrete. <laughs> and he's just called, like, Concretos. And then, like, some <laughs> dude turns up at one point and they're all like, oh, my God, it's Death Arms. <laughs> and, like, every time their names come up, I'm all like... That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... Um, yeah, and it's really, really, really... What I would say is, of all the things that I've watched recently, I would recommend it to you because the animation is unbelievable. Cool. It is absolutely fantastically animated. It's beautiful. And the sense of like motion and speed and power is absolutely fantastic. It's way better than almost any other animation that I've ever seen. It is... Nice incredible and that really sells a lot of it like i don't really like the main character but there are other characters who i do really really like uh it's got some nice like twists on the superhero formula but also some nice familiar uses of the superhero formula it's great and i'm really enjoying it and i'm really glad that we decided to watch it only season i was just gonna say so one thing i forgot to tell everyone during the news but i had told you when we were texting is that marvel studios is part of their recent announcement there will be a sequel to the original x-men tv show x-men 97 patrick what what do you think i mean i'm excited about that but i haven't gone back and watched x-men 97 mm. for a few years so my concern is what if it hasn't aged well and then, i i did i, I did when disney it? plus first started and I watched like the first three episodes. First of all, way shorter than I remember. They're all quite short, but I actually think that's a strength. They're all quite yeah. tight. I have forgotten how much I love Morph as a character as well. He's a great character. But I thought, yeah, the animation was oh, decent. Yeah. It's not as amazing as you think it is when you were a kid, but it's decent. It's definitely got a distinct style. You can see that Jim Lee influence in it. Um, I'm quite excited. I think they're a great character, and I wonder if it's going to be a direct continuation or are they going to then start implementing maybe some of the characters they introduced in the movie in that, 90 style yeah. so that would be interesting i'm i remain cautiously optimistic it seems a very weird way for them to introduce mutants into the mcu through an animated series rather than having them be in yep. one of the tv shows or weird movies choice. but i guess they're going with something that makes sense it's the nostalgia factors there that series was popular around the world it still gets played in fox kids and like in australia and, and japan and stuff so i understand it i'm going to hold out and hope that it's good before I get into my stuff, you anything else you've been watching or playing? Uh, no, I don't think so. I feel like I had something else, but Sorry. you carry on and then I'll, I'll, I'll drop back cool. in. We'll no, drop back in, yeah. It, but... um, so, Succession continues to be the best thing on TV. Watch it if you haven't. For those who didn't see it, I went and saw the new Will Smith film, King Richard. It's available now in the States on HBO Max or in theatres. Worldwide, it's on general release in theatres. Like I said, our last episode was a mini episode where... I have some exclusive quotes from Will Smith that you can hear him talk about his character. And I also went into review, spoiler free, 
I think it's fantastic. I think he actually is in with a shot of Best Actor next Academy Awards. Great performance. The two young ladies who play Venus and Serena are brilliant. It's always hit and miss with child actors, but these two are phenomenal. We found out from the Q&A that I attended, they also did a lot of the tennis themselves. They were taught how to do tennis. Basically, over the period of COVID, they learned how to play tennis competently. Um, John Bernthal's in it. It's just fantastic. It's really well shot. It's beautifully acted. And yeah, just a great piece about a very complicated man. He's a man who believed in himself and his family and really just wouldn't let anyone sway him from that belief. And I mean, history has kind of vindicated him in his belief. So yeah, if you if you want a real feel-good film, it can be tough at times because they didn't have the easiest life, but it just adds to kind of those really glorious feel-good moments. I would recommend getting your butt down to the theatre and watching King Richard. Yeah, other than that... It's been a quiet one. I haven't taken in too much stuff. Like I said, that I'm looking forward to what Disney's bringing. I'll be definitely going to see King Richards. Um, I'm 100% on board for that. I'll let you know what I think as soon as I've seen Oh, it, also Eternals. Great. I saw the Eternals since the last time we spoke. Yeah. And um, didn't care. Didn't care about it. Don't care about any of those characters. I don't care if I never see them again. I think the most exciting thing was the post-credits which made me very, very excited. I'm still not going to, I'm not going to ruin it for people because I know some of you people are still going to see it. Um, but that's, yeah, that's my review. The best thing about it is the post credits because it hints at something I'm very excited for in the Marvel Universe. But other than that, I do really respect the team behind it trying to do something different. I just, it's a nothing film. There's, I, I think it suffers from too many characters. There's too many characters for us to really get invested in any of them. And they all have good motivations, well, for the most part. But it's hard for you to buy into that when you've just met these people and been told to feel a certain way about them. And the film, whilst doing that, is also then trying to build up the classic Marvel formula of there's a big bad that they're going to have to fight. And then mm-hmm. even then, the big bad ends up not really being the big bad. So that fight that's being gearing up to the whole term doesn't really happen. It's a, it's just all over the place. And I think, unfortunately, it's, it's a misfire for Marvel. But we're a month away from possibly the best Marvel film in a long, long time. So I'll just get the Eternals out of my system when Spider-Man spiders, and all the spiders part one yeah. happens. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I've also been reading Naruto. <laughs> okay. Because watching uh, MHA, I was all like, oh, I love Naruto. Um <laughs> That's great. That's a great manga series. If you so the other I'd say that the other thing I was going to say is, MHA season one is on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. There's quite a lot of anime on Netflix. There is, yeah. But the other the other thing that I think it's worth mentioning, which I have had my my mind blown by, is uh, I got a streaming service called Funimation. Uh, they have um, an app that works on my Samsung TV. They have apps for like Xbox and PlayStation and stuff. It's like five pounds a mm-hmm. month. And it's got hundreds of anime series, uh, dubbed and subbed, so you can watch them in English or Japanese. Um, And it's really, really great value. It's got the other four seasons of My Hero Academia on it, and it's really, really, like, but it's got loads of other stuff that's been really fun to watch. Uh, And also, I've got the Shonen Jump app, which is a manga app, which is two pounds a month wow. uh, and you can read on your tablet or phone or whatever all the manga ever all, all the all the shonen manga ever which you is an insane library yeah it is you can only read a hundred chapters a day which sounds like 
you'd be all like, oh, you know, I, no, I'm not going to do it. But actually, I tell you what, if you spend your Sunday just reading, <laughs> you'll ease you'll ease nice. like 200 chapters a day. Um, but then you can still, well, you unlock them. So which means that I can go back and read any of the ones I've already oh, read nice. whenever I want. Yeah. But when I get to 100, you just can't progress past that point. Day, yeah. I have to stop. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, and it's free to read the first, I think, five or 10 chapters and the last five or wow. 10 chapters. So you can keep up with them weekly once you've got it without paying the subscription. And you can test out and start with any kind of series that you want without paying the nice. subscription. And the subscription is only £2 a month. This isn't sponsored, it's by the way. We just amazing. talk about stuff we like. However, if any of the things we talk about want to sponsor us, then just let us know at panelsandbars at gmail.com. We'd be happy to talk about your brand if it's something we believe in. Yeah, I, I don't do this that much, but like, get the fucking get the shonen jump up it's crazy value it's really great like i'm generally a real like stickler for buying the books and stuff and i probably still will but the app is really transforming how how experience nice. it. Uh, and that's that's a really that's really cool nice. so for our regular listeners some of you might have seen last week i was joined by special guest dan evans thank you so much dan for uh talking about um, what you do Dan is an incredible illustrator designer graphic designer and we just had a great conversation about the music industry and movie industry um, because Patrick has got personal stuff going on right now so he's not sure how often he'll be able to do these weekly shows with me so with that in mind I reached out to a few friends and over the next few weeks I'll be having special guests from the world of music design and uh, some people involved in the comics industry as well. And we'll be talking about everything from queer and female representation in the music industry to what it's like to be doing graphic design for comic books. So I'm looking forward to those guests popping up. Hopefully, if Patrick can join us, there'll be even more of us. But that will happen over the next few weeks. Yeah, 100%, Patrick yeah. and I will, of course, return for the second half of our Mission Impossible. We are going to cover the Blade Runner franchise. And I haven't even discussed this with her, but I'm just putting this out there now. We had a great episode that a load of people loved where Patrick explained Final Fantasy. And Rosie Knight, who was our first guest, friend of the show, she is obsessed with Jurassic Park. And I've noticed recently, I think Jurassic Park has allowed the rights to their merchandise to be extended to loads of different parties. So as well as several new animation series and action figures, they've just done a collaboration with the rapper Drake. And I'm just seeing Jurassic Park everywhere. So Rosie, if you're up for it, I would love to do an episode of Rosie Explains Jurassic Park because she is the foremost Jurassic Park expert. She knows everything about the franchise and... I think she could break it down and explain why that franchise is amazing, better than anyone else. So Rosie, if you're up for it, you know where we are. Get in touch. But um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, and personal stuff makes it sound like I'm dying or something. Like I got a new job, <laughs> and like you know, I'm, 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 I'm busy, but like I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not. You, you, I'm not you away ruined it. I was hoping that they believe that it would be the ghost of you joining us for the next episode. So, I mean, that's that just sounds so dark. Like uh, I've just, I've just Ooh, I've returned from the grave. Bring back Shenmue. Um, my new job killed me. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's got a new job. No, so have you not played Shenmue three? <laughs> Don't bring back Don't bring Shenmue. Back. <laughs> but yeah. Let him die. Bring back Power Stone. Agreed. Um, but yeah, no. So he will be back just infrequently. But like I said, we will have special guests. We'll be doing stuff right up to Christmas, and then yeah, we'll see. We might get burnt out and not do anything for January. But we are taking this channel up a notch next year. So there'll be loads of stuff on both this format and on YouTube. Thank you to everyone that gives us feedback. I do take it in. I do appreciate it. We are trying to change the format of the show to go and keep the stuff that you love. Um, 
yeah just just keep supporting us keep five starring rate review all that nonsense you know it thank you for listening to this we'll catch you next time